Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. This is an exciting show, and I've had a very, very good day. We went to work as per usual, got Quiznos for lunch, got some Mandarin noodle for dinner tonight. It was fantastic. But before dinner and after lunch, some big news broke from the NFL. And no, it's not. We'll talk about the Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz thing in a little bit. But Matt Milano, the Buffalo Bills, one of their most important defenders, signed a free agent contract. Yes, Matt Milano, arguably one of the most important players, not arguably, one of the top four players on the Bills' defense. Because obviously he's got Trey White, the safeties, and Matt Milano. The most important players on the defense are those four. And Matt Milano signed a four-year, $44 million contract with $24 million guaranteed. This is awesome. When I was doing my mock drafts, I talked about all the things the Bills had to work on, quote-unquote work on, or get improved on this offseason. And one of those things was replacing one of the free agents that were going to leave this offseason. And I said in the last mock draft when I had the Bills taking Tevin Jenkins, the right tackle from Oklahoma State, is the Bills are probably going to bring back Feliciano and Matt Milano because of Matt Milano's importance to the defense and how much Sean McDermott loves him. And John Feliciano, with the guard free agent market or just the guard market in general not being massive and his importance to the offense as far as the relationship with Josh Allen. And I'm also pretty confident he didn't allow any sacks. He's also arguably probably one of the Bills' best rush to rush blockers, run blockers, which isn't, I mean, it's not really saying a lot because the Bills' rush offense is pretty much non-existent, but it is better when John Feliciano's in. So that meant pretty much by default, Daryl Williams was SOL and had to get shipped off somewhere else, which it, it hurts. He had a really good year for the Bills. He battled injuries in his time in Carolina, came into Buffalo on a one-year deal and played very, very well. But yeah, Feliciano's too tied into the organization and Matt Milano obviously just signed a new extension which is awesome. He makes plays all over the field. For those of you who are either unaware of Matt Milano or have never watched him play, I would very much recommend watching a Bills game, just the defensive side of things, and see who's making all the plays on the defensive side of the ball. It's Matt Milano. Matt Milano is great in pass coverage. He's so versatile. Him and Tremaine Edmonds are great linebacker pairing. Throughout the entirety of the season, the Bills played with two linebackers and started Taron Johnson at the nickel corner spot. And then when Matt Milano was out injured, you felt the absence of Matt Milano because A.J. Klein, though he played well, I guess, in that time frame when Matt Milano was out, is not Matt Milano and can't make the same amount of impact as a Matt Milano can. And I found this out today. I did not know this was a thing. Trey White, Deion Dawkins, and Matt Milano we're all in the same draft class. And for those of you who don't know, that was Sean McDermott's first draft as a head coach. Trey Wyatt was the first round pick. Deion Dawkins, Dawkins a second round pick. And then Matt Milano, I believe, a fifth round draft pick. Those three have all been locked up to long-term deals. In that draft class, in Sean McDermott's first job as the Bills head coach, he got Trey White, Deion Dawkins, and Matt Milano. Three key players on both offense and defensive side of the ball. That's awesome. That's what you look for when you go into the drafts. I know we talk about drafts not being exact sciences, and it's not. It's not. But that draft class worked out beautifully for Buffalo. And you don't really look at it because, 
I mean, only other than Trey White, none of them really getting national attention. Trey White obviously being a first-team All-Pro corner, second-team All-Pro this year. But Matt Milano and Deion Dawkins have yet to receive their roses, essentially. And I think their time will be coming, which is very good. I'm very excited to see what they can do. And Matt Milano, my I got my dad a Matt Milano jersey last year or two years ago. So I am very, or no, two years ago, yeah, because he wore it in our last game we went to in Buffalo. So I'm very happy the Bills re-signed Matt Milano, not just because of he's a great player, but the fact that I, I, my dad doesn't need to buy a new Bills jersey. He can keep his Matt Milano jersey. Because he's one of those players that everybody in Buffalo really likes. You can get behind a lot of these players on this team. And Matt Milano goes in the same bracket as a Micah Hyde or a Jordan Poyer in regards to how underrated they are in the grand scheme of the NFL. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, I will die on this hill. And there's not a lot of hills I'm willing to die on. But this one, I think, and I think it's, I don't think it's a debate, of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are the best safety tandem in the NFL. I know the uh, there's links with like Harrison Smith and Al Harris. But Al Harris had a very not Al Harris. Anthony Harris. Right? I'm blanking. See, that's how <laughs> I'm just completely blanking right now. We talked about him all offseason last year. Because they were ranking him as the best safety in the NFL after one good season. Which was kind of funny. We talked about that quite a bit <laughs> on this show. But Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are easily easily the best safety tandem now I'm not saying they're the best safeties in the NFL but as a pairing there's not a pairing that's better Micah Hyde signed a new extension this offseason as well so there's two very underrated players for the Buffalo Bills signing extensions and now we await the ginormous offer the Bills are going to be tabling for Josh Allen because we already know he's going to get a shit ton of money like Dak Prescott 124 126 million dollars guaranteed it's 126 because I saw today that Tony Romo over his career earned $125 million. Dak Prescott is $126 million guaranteed. That's crazy. So Josh Allen, I don't know what he's going to get, but he's going to get a massive extension. He's second in the MVP voting, second team All-Pro, Pro Bowler, got to the AFC Championship game. You've seen what the Bills are like with him not in the, in the game. The one play he missed... Other than getting, like, benched because they were murdering the Miami Dolphins last week of the season. Matt Barkley got sacked against the Chargers. The first and only play he was in, Matt Barkley got sacked. You don't do that with Josh Allen. Now, he can make the bonehead play every once in a while, but that's what makes him fun. It was the same thing that made Brett Favre great. We saw Patrick Mahomes doing that in the Super Bowl, but everybody thought it was just Patrick Mahomes working hard. Which was, it's true, but we can't have the... Uh, he's working really hard. He's just trying to make a play, and Josh Allen is too reckless with the ball. They're doing the same thing, but one is Patrick Mahomes, the new face of the NFL, and Josh Allen is Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. So, I don't know. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are going to be linked forever, and they're going to be meeting up, I would assume, in a lot of AFC Championship games for years to come. But, as we saw in the Super Bowl, the most important part of a team... Like, obviously, the quarterback is the most important position on the football field, but to keep him upright, you can't do that without an offensive line, and the Chiefs cut both of their starting tackles today. Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher are gone, and Eric Fisher has had a really, really interesting relationship with Kansas City Chiefs fans. One of my good friends, Brady, 
has hated Eric Fisher from the jump since he got drafted number one overall. It's been, we don't like this guy. This guy's a horrible player. And I sent Brady a text message right after I got the report of Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz have been cut. I said, oh no, not Eric Fisher. Who's going to be your new favorite player now? And he just said, hallelujah. Chiefs fans have had a very, very weird relationship with Eric Fisher. And he's not a miserable, miserable one. It's, he's he's just, when you look at number one overall picks or top O linemen taking throughout the history of the NFL, you look at Orlando Pace. Players like that who are in the Heisman race. Literally, Orlando Pace coined the pancake block. It's not like he invented it, but he coined it. And you got Jonathan Ogden, another Hall of Famer, in there as well. Like, you expect these types of offensive linemen when you drive Quentin Nelson. I know he's not a tackle, but he could very well switch over to left tackle this offseason, depending on what the Colts do with their offensive line situation. Because he's either going to play left guard or right or left tackle, but goddamn, I bet he'll be the best in the NFL. Because <laughs> that's what he's been the entire time he's been in the NFL, the best guard in the NFL. Three first-team All-Pros in three years. Quentin Nelson's awesome. I don't think he'll have any problems slotting over to left tackle if need be. But Eric Fisher, coming out of Central Michigan, is not really a pick where it gets fans excited. Like Even with the Jonathan Ogdens and the Orlando Paces of the world, you still get excited because you saw what they did in college. They were so dominant. No one watched and this is no offense to Central Michigan and Mac football. At that time, no one was watching Mac football. Now it's become this giant meme where everybody goes on Maction. We got to watch Mac football. Now it's become a thing. Back then, it wasn't really as prevalent as it is right now. And the Mac's done a really good job at kind of rebranding, I guess. I don't know if you want to call it rebranding, but just getting out there more. About saying, look at us, we're quirky and awesome, you should watch us instead. And that quirkiness and that meme factor is kind of the same thing that saw us turn to Alex Caruso, where it's not really good, it's not really good brand of football, but it's the Mac. That's the same thing with the NBA with Alex Caruso or Taco Fall. It's not very, it's not very enjoyable to watch, but, or not very good to watch, but it's enjoyable. You have fun watching it. It's like the the prequels in Star Wars. I love me and my a few of my friends, Aaron and Drew. We have an Instagram group chat. I guess we have another friend in there, but he really he rarely provides any content to the group chat on Instagram. And I sent a thing yesterday of or this is morning, I can't remember, but it was something about a person watching Star Wars for the first time, me watching it for the probably millionth time. I have lost the ability to watch Star Wars like a regular person. Because I just enjoy watching them. They're not, like, the prequels are not great movies. But I enjoy them a thousand times better than I do the sequel trilogy. I will die on that hill. Episodes 8 and 9 are the two worst Star Wars episodes. And I will die on that hill. If you challenge me on that, I'm going to challenge your Star Wars fandom, okay? Because, yes, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones are not good movies. But I enjoy watching them. (laughs) I do not enjoy at all watching the sequels and they're not even that good of movies i love how we went on this random tangent of star wars but that's probably my nerdiest thing is star wars like i i I could be a nerd about sports or i am a kind of a nerd about sports but star wars is one where 
I think me, Aaron, and Drew just kind of drilled it into each other's heads that we're going to know everything about Star Wars at all times. And our group chat has kind of turned into a prequel meme <laughs> group chat, which I love. I provide a lot of prequel memes. It just pops on my Explorer page, and I love it. I have lost the ability to watch Star Wars like a normal human being, and I'm for that. <laughs> I enjoy that. I don't... It's like the Mac. Is it good? Like, is it a good brand of football? Not really. But it's... It sure as hell enjoyable. <laughs> I love watching it. But they didn't... Again, they didn't have that back then. When Star Wars, the prequels were coming out, the Mac was just... The Mac. We didn't have Mac-tion back then. Or maybe we did and it was just some, like, underground thing that only really cool and hip people do about. Because I sure as hell didn't know about it. Even when Khalil Mack was going off. I don't think a lot of people were going, oh, we gotta watch the Mac. You watch it for Khalil Mack. But then, again, players like Khalil Mack, he was an exciting player coming out of Buffalo. Got drafted with the fifth overall pick. Talked about either being the number one or number two player in the entire draft behind Jadavian Clowney. But when you're drafting an off to tackle, in that draft class, it, it's not an amazing, like, flashy draft class, okay? And when you draft an offensive tackle after being the worst team in the NFL, you kind of get upset. Like, we sucked the entire season to draft an offensive tackle from Central Michigan. This is what we wound up with. And this quarterback draft class I've made fun of a thousand times. If you don't know, this is a 2013 NFL draft. One of the, if not the worst, draft class for quarterbacks of all time. The first quarterback... That got drafted, and this would go up to like the 97 draft as well with Jim Drunkenmiller getting drafted in the first round. That draft sucked. He was the first quarterback taken at like 27 or something. That draft sucks. This draft is almost as bad. If you look at the quarterback, EJ Manuel was the first quarterback taken in the draft. My dad, we're talking a lot of dying on hills things here, but my dad, I would, I firmly believe, would die on the hill that EJ Manuel could have been a good quarterback if it weren't for Doug Marone. And I, I I agree with that. But then this brings up the awesome Bleacher Report article that I love talking about of we will be looking for the next EJ Manuel. Well, we're not doing that. <laughs> I apologize, but we are not doing that. Sorry, EJ. But yeah, Eric Fisher getting drafted first. He's made Pro Bowls, but that's pretty much it. It's a fan-voted thing. So, I mean, well, somewhat. I guess it's not as much of a fan-voted thing anymore because Jordan Poyer was the top safety in the fan voting and didn't even make the Pro Bowl. So that's for the AFC, I should say, or strong number one strong safety. He didn't even make the Pro Bowl. So it's kind of died down on the fandom thing. But again, Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel is number two from Texas A&M. He played four years in the NFL. Deion Jordan, who's bounced around every single team in the NFL, it feels like he's played on four teams. Nothing's really worked out. Lane Johnson's good. I like Lane Johnson. Barcavius Mingo from LSU. I remember when he got drafted, my dad was like, that's what we wanted to name you, but your mom said no. Then Jonathan Cooper. Tavon Austin was awesome in college, but it didn't work in the NFL. D. Milner, one of the worst draft picks of all time by the New York Jets. Chance Warmack. DJ Fluker, who I've made fun of relentlessly on the show. DJ Hayden. EJ Manuel, God, there's some good, there's not, I'm not saying this draft is all bad, now those players are not good players by NFL standards, but there's some good players like, again, Lane Johnson, Zeke Onsett was good until he started piling on injuries, 
Sheldon Richardson. Eric Reed was good. I don't know. Is he is he playing right now? He's on the Panthers still? No, I guess he hasn't played on the Panthers in two years. But his brother's on the Texans. Kyle Long, who is coming back to the NFL. He's trying to get reinstated. Tyler Eifert is good when not hurt. Desmond Trufant has been a decent corner in the NFL. Xavier Rhodes is very good at times. Other times very bad, like the past few seasons. Not really. He wasn't terrible this year, but his last year in Minnesota was god-awful. DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best, if not the best, wide receivers in the NFL. Cordell Patterson. It's just a, it's an all-right draft. Zach Ertz, Darius Slay, two very good players taken in the second round. Le'Veon Bell, Jamie Collins, Travis Kelsey, Tyron Matthew, Keenan Allen. Like, there's some Jordan Reed. There's some good players in this draft class, but that first round, David Bakhtiari in the fourth round, Kyle Juszczyk in the fourth round, Micah Hyde, who we just talked about. Like, there's good players in this draft class, but that first round is very unappealing to the naked eye when your best player in the first round was taken at 27. There's some flaws in the scouting thing here, and EJ Manuel being the only quarterback taken. Like, this year... We have a chance to get five quarterbacks taken in the first 10 picks. And this quarterback was the first one taken at 16. Not very exciting. And then topping it off with a tackle from Central Michigan is not the most exciting thing of all time. There's good players in this draft class, but that first round, it's just not great. I'll just put it like that. And Chiefs fans, I'm pretty confident. I mean, I only can speak for Brady that... Chiefs fans around the world are singing jubilantly. And I just think it's funny and kind of maybe hurtful (laughs) that you cut him after he tore his Achilles in the AFC Championship game against the Buffalo Bills. And then cutting Mitchell Schwartz as well, who has been hurt pretty much the entire season, but when healthy, is one of the best right tackles in the NFL. But I'm not really surprised Eric Fisher got cut. I've never really, no one's ever really thought he was that amazing of a tackle. But I'm more surprised about Schwartz. Maybe that's just an injury thing or cap situation. The Chiefs are very down or very above the cap, I guess I should say. So will the Chiefs be competing next year? Because we saw in the Super Bowl, weapons can only get you so far if you have no offensive line. And that offensive line we saw in the Super Bowl, as of right now, is the Chiefs starting offensive line for opening day of the season. Because neither Eric Fisher nor Mitchell Schwartz played or started in the Super Bowl. So what you guys saw in the Super Bowl and thought Patrick Mahomes can't do it by himself, well, guess what? He doesn't have an O-line anymore. So even though we already know and pretty it's pretty much well known the Chiefs are going to go after an offensive lineman in this draft. Back then, it was a guard. Now we might be transitioning our attention to more one of the tackle spots. I don't know which one. There's some good tackles available. Maybe they want to trade back, get more value for the pick, which you see a lot of times in the NFL draft. You get a lot of of value picks, which is always a good thing. If you feel like you can get a player later than where you're at, and you might think it might be a little bit of a reach, then do it. Teams do it all the time, and it works out beautifully for them. Sometimes it fails to do that, as we saw with the Bills thinking they could take Russell Wilson in the fourth round and took TJ Graham, and then like four picks later, Russell Wilson goes to Seattle. So that's where a situation like that can hurt. But TJ Graham going to the third round is ridiculous in itself anyways. But here's some of the best tackles that could be available for the Kansas City Chiefs, I think the top five are pretty much set. Sewell, Slater, Derrissaw, Mayfield, Jenkins, and whatever order you want to throw them in. But I think those five are going to be the first five taken in the draft. Samuel Cosme is going to be talked about in that top tier of tackles. Alex Leatherwood, no one really knows if he's going to play guard or tackle at a very 
poor senior day weekend, senior bowl weekend. Liam Eikenberg, he's an interesting one because I saw this pop up on Twitter of Liam Eikenberg is the only tackle not to allow a sack on 400 plus pass blocking snaps this season. So maybe a team like the Chiefs in need of some pass protection would take one that has not allowed a sack in 400 plus pass blocking snaps. That might be something good there. Dylan Radonez from North Coast State. He's another one. Walker Little, who we talked about in Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft, who I was kind of surprised that he popped his head back into the first round because I haven't seen his name around the first round of the draft in about a year. So I'm, I was kind of surprised by that. Spencer Brown, the big, tall, lengthy offensive tackle from UNI. James Hudson, a big tackle. Larrick Jackson, whose draft stock is kind of taking a giant nosedive since last year, similar to that of Walker Little. But more so for Alaric Jackson, who was once seen as a possible first-round, if not a possible top-20 pick, has now been dropped down to probably, if I had to put money on it, probably a third- to fourth-round pick, which is not great. It's not really what he wanted to do. And if the Chiefs still want to go with some offensive interior offensive linemen, like Elijah Vera Tucker, I doubt he'll be available there. But the other ones, Wyatt Davis, Creed Humphrey, center, Landon Dickerson. Dickerson and Humphrey are two centers. Then you got Trey Smith. Deontay Brown is a freaking monster from Alabama. He's probably the biggest dude in this draft. And then Quinn Mer- Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater. He's going to be building up a lot of steam towards the draft. He just had his pro day the other day. Ben Ge- Ben Cleveland, Trey Hill. There's some good offensive linemen in this draft class. So wherever the if the Chiefs want to go after one of the interior guys in the first round or one of the tackles in the first round, go ahead because. Good God, they need some tackle help very, very bad because that's, you're going to, I mean, that's natural when you lose both of your starting tackles by your own sword, I guess. But Eric Fisher, he's not going to be on a team next year, one would assume, right? (laughs) He just, he tore his Achilles in January. I don't really think a team's going to go out there and sign a dude, a left tackle that just tore his Achilles. I don't really think that's on the cards for a lot of teams in the NFL. No, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but usually when you're coming off a big-time injury like that, uh, it's going to be hard. Like, Dak broke his leg in... Whoa, when was that? Is that September or October? I can't remember. But he's good to go, it seems like, for the start of the season. We don't know what Eric Fisher's timetable is because the Achilles injury is one of the, if not the hardest injury, to try and bounce back from. So I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know where Mitchell Schwartz is going to go. I don't know how much money they're going to be asking for for their new teams. All I know is the Bills got Matt Milano signed. (laughs) And also another tackle that got released, Riley Reef got cut today, which was kind of sad, but cap-saving situation there for the Vikings. He he had a very good year last year and saved saved a few money, saved a few pennies, I guess I should say, by cutting him, Emmanuel Sanders got cut today as well, the wide receiver for the Saints. It'll be interesting where he goes. John Brown got cut yesterday, which is very sad because I love John Brown, and I do. I agree with Stephon Diggs 100% when he says he's one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. But it, it made sense. He barely played. They had Gabe Davis play very well in the time when John Brown was out. They played the exact same position. John Brown is a cap-saving move. And he had a quote that said he'd wish Josh Allen had more of a say in it, because I think, along with John Brown, that Josh Allen would have wanted him to stay in Buffalo. But obviously, 
with John Brown getting cut, that obviously didn't happen. So John Brown's gone. Gabe Davis will slot right into the outside wide receiver where John Brown was, where Gabe Davis played and had a very good season for a fourth-round draft pick, playing out as that wide receiver. He played, made some great plays against the Indianapolis Colts in the playoff game, which is beautiful for a rookie to have that much awareness of where the football field is, like where the sidelines are, is beautiful. Go and watch Gabe Davis's catches against the Indianapolis Colts in the playoff game this year to see what I'm talking about because it, it will pop up. He made two amazing catches in that game, and I saw this on Instagram as well. Or was this on Twitter? I don't remember. But with Eric Fisher getting cut, the longest-serving number one overall pick on the same team is Miles Garrett, who was drafted in 2017. Let's just go through the list of longest-serving number one overall picks because Eli Manning retired. He was 2004, so you can't. he's not the longest. The Carson Palmer retired as well, 2003. Tim Couch retired a long time ago. Vic retired. Uh, Peyton Manning's retired. So there's not a lot of number one overall picks that'll be available here. <laughs> but pre-Alex Smith. So Alex Smith was on the 49ers, obviously. And then we'll just do their move post the team that drafted them. So Alex Smith obviously went from 49ers to Kansas City. Mario Williams went from Houston to Buffalo. Jamarcus Russell went from Oakland to, I think, out of the NFL. I don't even think he went to another team. Uh, Jake Long where do you go? The Dolphins to the Falcons, I think. That could be wrong. I think it's Dolphins to Falcons. Matt Stafford, obviously, now on the Rams. Cam Newton on the Patriots, now a free agent. Eric Fisher just got cut. Jadavian Clowney was on the Texans, the Seahawks, and Titans, then now who knows. Uh, Jameis Winston went from the Bucks to the Saints. J uh, Jared Goff's now on the Lions, switching with Matt Stafford. And then it leaves Miles Garrett, who signed a five-year deal, what was it, two off-seasons ago or last off-season? So it looks like Miles Garrett's going to be going on this list or staying the longest serving number one overall pick for a while now. So does that scare people away? Does it scare people away from the fact that Trevor Lawrence is number one overall pick? So maybe he doesn't work out. But then again, Eli Manning played his entire career with the Giants, won two Super Bowls. He was one in 2004. So I think you're going to be fine with Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville. And Matthew Stafford, if it weren't for him wanting to go somewhere else to not get murdered for the rest of his life, he would still be in Detroit, too. And same with Jared Goff, but the Rams thought they could get an upgrade, so they got Matthew Stafford instead of Jared Goff. But yeah, it's kind of surprising looking at that and all the, the number two overall picks. That thing was going on this offseason as well with Mitch Trubisky not coming back to Chicago, Carson Wentz getting traded. So, I mean, there is still a chance Mitch Trubisky comes back to Chicago. I mean, a very small chance, but we have talked about it about how his, Matt Nagy might treat him like a cool kid and go, okay, we're going to talk now, but not in front of people. I don't want people to know we know each other or that we're friends. That's not That would look very Brad for my brand, my visor-wearing bald head brand. I've never understood. That's a random pet peeve of mine. It's not really a pet peeve because I've never been a bald man, at least right now. And I don't understand. I think it was Matt Hasselbeck that made this comment, and I've kind of, taking that comment and ran with it is why do bald people wear visors it kind of is like a beacon essentially pointing down to your bald head it's like making the bald spot even more noticeable with having a navy blue ring around it or a red ring from when he was in kansas city the red ring of death as we all know from the xbox days but never understood that why do bald people wear visors and then when you, when you get a sunburn or something because you've been wearing a visor all day like a freaking Neanderthal, 
you got a big red dot right in the middle of your head. But the rest of your face is pale. <laughs> I've never, never understood why bald people have the need to wear visors. It's very odd. I've never found, I've never really had the, the urge to wear a visor regardless, even with me having hair. I've never found an urge to go, ooh, you know what I think I'd look good in? A visor. Never thought, I've always thought visors are very weird and they look even weirder on people that are follically challenged. And remember, I just thought about this. Do you remember when, you may, may not remember this, but me and a few friends, Noah and Spencer, I've been name dropping a bunch of people today. So if you don't like people getting name dropped or me name dropping people, I apologize. But we made a bald tier list a few months ago. And <laughs> I want to see if I can find this because I kind of forgot about it until right now. But it was a whole bald people tier. We sat in their living room and just went over. I found a bunch of bald people in the world of sports and posted it. But I don't, there, no, that's the Jersey one. This is when we were doing the fun. There it is, the bald tier list. So we had the goat tier list for bald people. LeVar bald. I got a bald head, if you remember that vine. The light bald, which is just average. Follically challenged, then average baldness, which is just like, why are you bald? You're wasting your baldness. Because you should be making a statement by being bald, not just for the sake of being bald. Like, you look at the GOATs here. Adrian Peterson, Tyson Fury, PJ Fleck, Todd Hafner. They're making statements with their bald heads. They're more noticeable. You notice these guys. They're very, they embrace the bald head. And then LeVar Bald, obviously LeVar Bald. Mike Tyson, Elequiem Mengala, former Manchester City center back, Dana White, and... Steve Harvey, we just threw him. <laughs> he threw him on there because he hosted NFL Honors one time or twice, I think. So he counted for the sports bald tier list. But average baldness, Matt Nagy, obviously because of the visor thing, and he just exudes non-bald traits. Bob Bradley and Brad Bobbly, whatever you want to call him, freaking loser. Same with his freaking loser son, Michael Bradley. Yeah, bald heads for no reason. Michael Bradley used to have hair. And he should just go back to having hair because he that has that kind of energy of a man that's bald that wishes he had hair. Those guys at the top do not care if they're bald. They embrace the baldness. And then Andrew Whitworth, it sounds like a good dude, but he's just not very exciting for me. And then you've got Fabinho, very boring player for Liverpool, defensive midfielder, can play all different sorts of positions, can take penalties, but... Yeah, I don't really I don't really care. Ever since he spurned Manchester United for Liverpool, I've kind of turned my shoulder towards him. And then at the bottom we have James Franklin, the Penn State head coach, who again, much like the other people, Brad Bobley, Matt Nagy, whatever. But the one at the lowest, and I don't know why we didn't put him at the lowest, but I'm putting him there right now. Cause I think we had James Franklin up higher than we had an executive decision to where we moved him down. But Jim Boylan. The old Chicago Bulls coach, the worst head coach in NBA history. I don't know why the the coaches, all the worst coaches in NBA history have to come through the Chicago Bulls, but they always seem to do that, and it's miserable. As a lifelong Chicago Bulls fan, I am tired of seeing garbage coaches come in and out of this organization. <laughs> you had a good one with Tom Thibodeau, and then you guys got in a fight because you're guarding packs and freaking losers, because Paxson... Another bald man that used to have hair that wishes he wasn't bald anymore. Hired a bald man who looked like a freaking blobfish. And as he, as blobfish do, don't know how to coach basketball. 
Because if you threw a normal blobfish as a coach of a basketball team and said that's Jim Boylan, I would believe you because that was the amount of energy and the amount of passion it seemed, the amount of control he had over his team. If you just threw a random blobfish on the on the bench, that's what Jim Boylan did at his time in Chicago. You just set the fish down there and go, coach. And then you know what? Blobfish can't talk. Blobfish can't walk. Blobfish is pretty much rendered useless unless they're in the water, and even if they're in the water, they're pretty much useless. Go look up a picture of a blobfish and tell me it's not Jim Boylan. That's what Jim Boylan exudes. Not cool, bald energy like Adrian Peterson or Tyson Fury. No. He gives off Brad Bobley impressions. Michael Bradley impressions. That's the type of stuff he gives off there. And it's sick. It spits in your general direction. Miserable time in Chicago. <laughs> oh, man. And with Michael Bradley and Bob Bradley, they're obviously connected to the MLS. The MLS is starting to release their new jerseys for the upcoming season. So we'll eventually, once we know further about the whole jersey situation in the MLS, when every team releases their new jerseys, and once everybody stops with all these freaking rebrands, like Houston Dynamo, Montreal, or what do they call themselves? Club de Montreal de Impact, or Club Football de Montreal, or some stupid French name like that. They used to be the Montreal Impact, which is easy for English snobs like myself to pronounce, but when you start going all random words, I mean, it's like Ivory Coast, like in FIFA. They're the Cote d'Ivoire, which I get is how the country is set. I, I get that. But then why is French not France, not France? I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I apologize for my lack of foreign language, I guess. Or language that I just don't... I, t- I took French class <laughs> in 8th grade. It was miserable, but I took it. So I, I know how to count to 10 in French. But I can't... I, I barely know any other words in French. My old roommate, Steven, I guess still current roommate, I guess. He went to France, studied abroad in France. He was in the last video, the person I called. He's been in other Logan Blackman show videos if, you haven't, if you've seen him before. He's been to France. He knows more French than me, obviously, but... Man, these rebrands in the MLS are getting ridiculous. I like some of them, like Sporting Kansas City. That's a nice rebrand. Houston Dynamo, as long as they have orange in their stadium as like the overarching color in their stadium, I'm not going to like the Houston Dynamo. The Chicago Fire had their worst rebrand of all time, the most delayed rebrand, much like the Washington football team. That similar style, but at least the Washington football team could pull it off. Chicago, their logo's horrendous. They didn't even have jerseys ready for the season because they are like, you know what? It's a week before the season starts. Let's now do our rebrand. Stupid. Stupid stuff. But, man, all the uniforms are coming out. Sporting Kansas City had a beautiful... They brought the hoops back, which is perfect. Love the jersey. And I will be copping one eventually. I don't know when exactly, but I will be copping one whenever that, whenever I can, I guess. Save up some money, I guess. My my mom would be proud of me because I'm saving my money, which is very nice. But I got I got to get myself a Sporting Kansas City jersey. And yeah, this has gone very weird. I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened to this show to where we went from talking about Matt Milano to right now we were talking about bald people again. I thought that genre of show died off when we made that made that tier list, but I guess not. It's still alive and prevalent because you got people like Matt Nagy still going around. And apparently, like we said, Matt Na- or Russell Wilson, 
current quarterback at the Seattle Seahawks, likes Matt Nagy, which I was surprised about. I didn't know Matt Nagy had very many friends. I am completely surprised about that. Now, I'm sorry if you're if you're a friend of Matt Nagy. I apologize. But I, I just don't see Matt Nagy having a lot of friends. And I'm not talking sitting around here going like, oh, man, I'm the coolest person of all time. I host the Logan Blackman Show, which by, by law makes me the coolest person on the planet at this point in time. But I, if I don't know Matt Nagy, then Matt Nagy must not have any friends because I know everybody. And I've talked to a lot of people and I've never met one person that said they were friends with Matt Nagy. So I was shocked, bewildered, bamboozled by this news that Russell Wilson likes Matt Nagy and then just to throw the little salt into the what, what it would, I was going to say salt into the fire but I don't think that would do anything to pour gas on the fire he says I like they're improving off the line which if you know the Chicago Bears they're off the line is not one of their bright spots <laughs> if you watched a few seconds of Chicago Bears football this year you would know their offensive line is not something that you go that's the one I want to play behind that's not really something you get from watching the Chicago Bears. I would go, wow, I get to play with Darnell Mooney. Now they just uh, franchise tagged Allen Robinson. They got like 1,800 tight ends. They got David Montgomery who just ran for 1,000 yards. I think that's pretty exciting. They got an elite defense with Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, Kyle Fuller. And your off the line's the thing that you're the most excited about? The Bears off the line? Really? And you realize, once the Bears trade for him, if they if they end up doing that, which I don't think will be this offseason, because the Bears have a do... They do this very cool thing of where they excite their fans for no reason and then just flip them off and say we're doing something else, like at the very last second. Like, you saw that with the drafting of Mitchell Trubisky after signing Mike Glennon to a, what, a three-year, $45 million contract? And then all these good quarterbacks are available in free agency... And then you trade for Nick Foles. <laughs> that was another very confusing thing. So then not only... <laughs> you, the Bears and their quarterback stuff is very odd. I don't get the Bears quarterback stuff. So when I say I don't think the Bears are going to get Russell Wilson this offseason, I am very confident saying that. <laughs> I do not buy his reasonings for wanting to go to the Bears. I do not buy he likes Matt Nagy, the Bears, quote-unquote, improving offensive line well yeah it's improving because it can't get much worse than what it was last year <laughs> i don't buy that for a split second now he could go to the chicago bears i would love to see wilson the chicago bears because as we've said numerous times on the show the chicago bears fans are my favorite group of fans in the nfl maybe in all of sports i would put them on a tier list and this is just for my personal enjoyment i'm not saying that they're the best fans because i obviously i know like Packers fans, Steelers fans, are very loyal fans. But they're not my favorite fans, okay? My favorite fans are Bears fans because they're uber pessimistic. They don't expect anything, and the Bears still, ex <laughs> still, they still go below the Bears fans' already ground floor level confidence, and they still Trump somehow get below that. Like, even John Fox was in that. He thought the Bears were drafting Jamal Adams, and they traded up one spot to take Mitch Trubisky. That's 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 kind of fun. That's fun. <laughs> it's already as low as it possibly can, that the Bears find another way to make it lower than what it already was. 
Then you got the New York Jets. Jets fans are very funny. I love the New York Jets as a team. So when I talk about my least favorite teams, I obviously the Jets are going to be in there because they're a division rival. Sam Darnold's there because him and Josh Allen got drafted the same year. Everybody still said Sam Darnold's better than Josh Allen, even going into this season, because the the Jets won six out of the last eight games and they had the easiest schedule in the league. So that's whatever. We've taught we stopped talking about that. We made fun of him and then. I mean, we're gonna make fun of him for the rest of eternity because it's a very easy thing to make fun of. But Jets, like Mark Sanchez, drafting Kyle Brady over Warren Sapp, drafting Ken O'Brien above Dan Marino, doing all these things, all the random draft picks that they have. It's just awesome. And their fans are just so funny. I want to go to a Bills-Jets game next year. One, because I think it'd be fun to see Deshaun Watson play for the, play in person. <laughs> and two, I want to interact with some Jets fans. I think that'd be very, very fun. So I think those are my top two fans. I don't know if I can name more off the top of my head like of my favorites that I've interacted with. I hate Chiefs fans. I could care less about Vikings fans because they've oh, no one's had it worse than the Vikings. There's a lot of teams that have had it worse than the Vikings. Your division rival Bears have had it. I mean, they've won a Super Bowl, but their quarterback luck is a thousand times worse than yours. The Bills, their luck, four straight Super Bowls. Get over this Blair Walsh kick. I don't care. And then you got the Browns leaving Baltimore or leaving Cleveland to go to Baltimore. The new team comes in and they suck. And the team that left for Baltimore is winning Super Bowls and freaking awesome with all these legends on the team. With the same front office that would have <laughs> been the front office in Cleveland if they stayed. Well, I don't really care for Packers fans, I guess. I don't really have anything against them. I dislike Patriots fans. I dislike Cowboys fans. I have friends that are those, are fans of those teams, but I don't like them when they're cheering for those teams. But I, I need to have, I need to come up with a more straight on tier list of my favorite fans. Because this is not saying these fans are the best. I just think that they're funny. <laughs> I think they're very fun to watch. Jets fans and Bears fans are elite fans <laughs> by my standard which is not like a normal standard of oh they're so loyal to their team oh no because their favorite team is the same exact team as their least favorite team their team <laughs> their least favorite team and favorite team are the same team the bears and jets are those two teams those two fans groups of fans least favorite team it's just amazing it's amazing i love it I'm I'm here for it. I want to watch Deshaun Watson in Buffalo next year. If they allow fans, which I'm pretty sure it's looking like that's going to happen. But on Deshaun Watson, I, I saw this today. I'm sure a lot of you out there saw this as well. The David Coley interview. Oh, man. If you are, if you are still in the, the thought process that Deshaun Watson is coming back to the Texans, I am very sorry. That's not happening. Coley did not provide any confidence to any Texans fan out there that thinks there's still a slimmer chance that we could get Deshaun Watson. No, there is a there is a better chance of me playing for the Houston Texans next year than Deshaun Watson playing for the Texans ever again. And I'm that's bad because I'm not very good. <laughs> so Hey, if I think there's better odds of me playing for the Texans versus Deshaun Watson, that probably means he's not coming back. And we talked about this yesterday, or the last show we did, about how I think he's going to the Jets. Texans are not going to trade him 
to the Miami. I've seen this all over the place. They're not going to trade with the Dolphins and then not draft a quarterback. I don't think they're going to take Tua. I know I've linked that. That's been linked in the past. And when I made a paper about when this first kicked off, I said Tua go there. But do they want Tua? Do they really want Tua? I think they'd rather take one of the quarterbacks in this year's draft, like a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields, who we've talked about I don't think will go to the Houston Texans because him and Deshaun share the exact same agent. Maybe they want to go crazy and take Trey Lance. Maybe they could. I think Trey Lance would be fun in Houston, but that would be not what would work best for him because, as I said, he needs time. He needs to learn a little bit. He's the least experienced out of all these quarterbacks in this draft class. I think he might have the highest ceiling, but he needs time. And in Houston, he's probably not going to have a lot of time. Now, they did sign Mark Ingram today, so you've got somewhat of a running back thing with him and David Johnson going on because David Johnson re-signed or restructured, I guess. But, man, Zach Wilson's probably going to be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans week one. Probably. I don't know who they'd go out and sign in free agency. Maybe they go out and get RG3. He's been doing stuff in Houston this offseason. Him and Coley obviously being together in Baltimore. It makes sense. And then Zach Wilson could learn from RG3. I think that'd be a very good relationship down there. But I can tell you this. I am. I was confident that he would no longer be the Texans quarterback when I made that quarterback list, which I redid because I remembered that you know, we did a pretty lengthy thing on why I think Sam Darnold going to Carolina would make a lot of sense. So if you if you saw that, I basically just crumpled up mock draft 4.0 or 3.0 and then just chucked it into the garbage can because I cut out everything that I said I thought would happen. Carolina, I think they love Mac Jones, but I think if they can get a guy like Sam Darnold who's got a relationship with a lot of people in that organization, I think they do that. And then draft a position like an offensive lineman, which is something they need. So, yeah, don't look at Mock Draft 3.0 anymore. I'm, I don't want to look at it anymore. I didn't like it when I posted it, and then now I like it even less. So, yeah, I just wouldn't look at it. Wait for Mock Draft 4.0 because I'm making a lot of lists right now about where I think quarterbacks will go. And I made one today about where I think all these QBs could go. So, obviously... We did a little graphic of eight quarterbacks, as I said. We said Alex Smith. I don't know why I thought of Alex Smith first. Alex Smith going to the 49ers. Sam Darnold going to Carolina. Mariota to the Bears, because I think that's more of a Bears move than to get Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson staying in Seattle. Deshaun going to the Jets. Cam to the Washington football team. Jimmy G to the Patriots. And there's one more. Jameis Winston and the Saints. So there's eight quarterbacks. I think I'm fairly confident in that happening. 49ers trade up draft to QB, and then all Zelda ends well. You got Alex Smith there to teach him. You can learn under him. He's still willing to play. He's not done yet, even though I think he should because health is wealth. And, jeez, oh, he almost died after breaking his leg the first time. I don't want him to do it again. But if he could get a guy, Kyle Shanahan, and get a guy drafted that he likes, that could fit his system, because I he wasn't, I don't, was he the coach that got Jimmy G over? Was that it? Or did he get hired after Jimmy G was there? I don't remember. I'm blanking on that. But I'm fairly confident in all that happening. So here's a list I made today of where I think quarterbacks could go. And this could be a little teaser for Mock Draft 4.0. But the thing is, I'm pretty dead set on four places for teams to go, or quarterbacks to go. 
But I don't know where I want the other person to go. Because it's an up-in-the-air situation here. I would love Mac Jones to go to the Patriots. But I think their number one priority is to get Jimmy Garoppolo. And the 49ers keep doing that Arizona Cardinals thing and the Houston Texans thing of, he's our guy, he's our guy, he's our guy, he's our guy, he's our guy. Trying to really convince themselves, not really try to convince us that he's their guy. Because, yeah, their record with him is very, very good. The record without him is very, very bad. But they've, I think they're about equal in regards to the number of games, which is not very good. You want your quarterback, the best ability is what? Say, audience, availability. There, I hope you repeated it because, or said it. Because that's the kind of the thing of we're kind of have trying to have interactions with the audience here. Have a here. You do something. I'll say something. You say what's next, like that thing. And you say your opinions on this person. So we'll have a little fun game for yourself. Uh, Trevor Lawrence will be. Zach Wilson will be. Trey Lance will be. Justin Fields will be. Mac Jones will be. Okay, I hope you had a little fun there with the five quarterbacks that are going to get drafted in the first round. Hope that was pretty fun. And I saw this report today, and it is that the Broncos, their new GM, George Patton, will be at Trey Lance's Pro Day tomorrow to watch QB in person in Fargo per source. Denver owns the ninth overall pick. I think Trey Lance would be very fun to watch in Denver. He's obviously got more tools in his arsenal than Drew Locke does. But I think this is my problem here. I think that a team like the Falcons would love to draft a guy like Trey Lance. I think he fits what they want to do very, very well. But if they don't go with the Justin Fields, which also makes sense. Justin Fields would make a lot of sense going to the Atlanta Falcons. Very similar style skill set with Trey Lance, but I think Trey Lance is just a little more athletic than Justin Fields. And I think that unfinished product thing could be very beneficial in his draft stock by Matt Ryan's not done yet. Trey Lance can sit behind him for a while. Unless he gets hurt, then you're forced into the fire kind of thing. But if he's available for Denver, do they take him? They have to think about it. I don't think he'll make it to number nine, but if they trade up and get him, I know, again, this is what I'm talking about. Throw away Montreal 3.0. I had him going 12th, throw it away. I I hated myself for doing that when I made the episode of me talking about Mock Draft 3.0. You can listen to the, the episode on Monday of me talking about how much I didn't want to put him at 12, but just to, for the sake, for my sanity and to make it a little different, I decided, you know what, let's do it. I didn't think that was going to happen. I think in my heart of hearts, Trey Lance will go to Atlanta. But for fun, to switch the thing up a little bit, I sent him to San Fran. And Justin Fields, because I had a thing set up with trades, but we're doing trades this time. Montreal 4.0 will have trades. I'm promising that. I know I said that Montreal 3.0 had trades on one show before I released it, and then it eventually didn't have trades. But this one, I promise you, will have trades because I will have Deshaun Watson getting traded to the Jets. So the Jets obviously won't have the second pick or the 23rd pick. But if the Broncos have a quarterback like uh, any of the quarterbacks, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or Justin Fields, because I'm pretty, I think we can all push aside that Zach Wilson is going to be available there. I think we all know that Zach Wilson will not be there 
at number nine, let alone number three. I think we all are pretty much set on that. Trevor Lawrence going one. Zach Wilson's two. That's the draft done, essentially. And then we have a mystery after that. Now, the mystery is whether or not the Jets pick Zach Wilson number two, but Zach Wilson will go number two. Whether it's to the Jets or the Texans, he'll go number two. I'm fairly confident saying that, but this is also a guy that has no sources connected to his show. So this is all going off gut feelings of what I'm reading, and if you read anything on the internet, you know it's true. So that's the kind of situation we're in. So I trust all my sources, essentially. But again, I got to keep stressing that if the Broncos have a top quarterback available at number nine, which there is a chance, there is a chance one of those guys was available there. If not, trade up to get one. Do they do it? Because they have other needs on their roster, like corner. They want to look at a linebacker, do that as well. Maybe off to lineman, get a right tackle, maybe do that as well. But hey, if Trey Lance or Mac Jones are available or Justin Fields, do they, it'd be hard to pass on them. This is a new GM in here. This is first year in the draft for the Broncos. John Elway's finally, finally, not the GM of the Broncos anymore. Finally out as GM. He gave himself a promotion, but he's not GM anymore. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. But Trey Lance, if you're wondering, his pro day is tomorrow at 11. You can watch it on NFL Network. So, if you're dying to watch Trey Lance's pro day, which I will be watching, because I know a lot of you out there that listen to this great show may not know Trey Lance because you're FBS loyal. Or or you just don't care about college football. Either way. Or just don't have time or really the care to watch FCS football. But as a you and I football follower, which I will not forget to do this time because they play Southern Illinois this week. I will actually talk about it a little bit more at the end of the show. Hopefully I remember that because now I think I'm jinxing myself. <laughs> but Trey Lance is an awesome quarterback to watch. I don't care about playing at the FCS level because you're playing in the toughest conference at the FCS level. Like You can go with... Oh, well, he's playing in the lower level of competition. But the competition is still, you know, good. In the top top 10 right now in the nation, at the FCS level, right now, five of the 10 teams, half, for those of you who can't do math, half of the teams in the top 10 are Missouri Valley Conference teams. That is North Dakota, North Dakota State, UNI, South Dakota State, and Southern Illinois, who UNI is playing this weekend. That Five! Out of the 10 teams in the top 10 are Missouri Valley Conference teams. This conference is easily the best in college football at the FCS level. I'm not going to put it up there with the SCC or the Big Ten or any of those conferences. I'll put it up there with the ACC. <laughs> but it's a good, it's a very good conference for the FCS level. The Big Sky is right there at number two, and then there's pre, a pretty steep decline after the Big Sky. But... The Missouri Valley Conference is undoubtedly the best conference in the FCS. And if you want to watch Trey Lance's importance to Missouri, to North Dakota State, watch North Dakota State play. <laughs> They're so boring to watch. One thing they weren't last year was boring. They were an insanely fun team to watch. Trey Lance was running over people left, right, and center. He was hitting deep balls. They were running play actions. They had eye formations, which you never really see in college football anymore unless you watch Iowa. But North Coast State actually does it fun. It's actually fun to watch North Coast State. 
pain in the ass to watch Iowa. <laughs> at times. At times. Sometimes it can be fun to watch, but 90% of the time it's pretty much a pain in the ass. But they're nowhere near the same level of team. Now, I'm aware they lost some other good players as well. There's three players from North Dakota State that are available in the draft. I'm Yes, I'm carrying Jabril Cox because he did transfer to LSU, but he was a North Dakota State player. If they played the full season, like normal, he would be... If they played... If this season got put in the fall, he'd be at North Dakota State right now. Because he wouldn't have transferred unless they were playing in the fall. That's why he went to LSU. That's why a bunch of people from you and I left. Spencer Brown, Ellerson Smith, Xavier Williams, Chris Kalarevic. Some really good players leaving you and I. Briley Moore left for Kansas State. But I think he, he did that before the season started, I guess. But man... I would I would recommend if you've never watched Trey Lance play, go and watch his pro day. He said he's not running the forty, which is kind of disappointing. I think he'd run a extremely fast forty, but I understand why he's not doing it. You want that to show up on tape, which is the right way to do it. Watch him on tape. Don't watch him run a straight line forty. Watch him run over people, then sprint downfield or make a third and twenty three play at the 43-yard line or whatever, and then score a touchdown out of it. Watch that, and then take away how fast and athletic Trey Lance is. Don't watch his 40-yard dash time, but it's cool to watch for it. As we said, it's cool to watch 40-yard dashes. It's not really meaningful, but hell, it's cool to see someone run a very fast time. You're always hyped up after someone runs a blistering 40-yard dash time. Now me, I'd run a decent 40-yard dash time. I, I think my career best was, if I remember right, he was a 4 8 which is not blistering at all. It's like this, I, I can't really think of any quarterbacks that are similar to that, but it's not horrific. I was a lot faster on the football field than I was running a 40-yard dash. I, you can ask my teammates in high school and my teammates at William Penn about that. I was a lot faster on a football field than I was as my 40-yard dash time said I was. Which wasn't even that slow. Which wasn't even that slow of a 40-yard dash time. But it's, it's not blistering speed like you see with Lamar Jackson, Vic, what you would see with Trey Lance. But, hey, I commend him for not running the 40-yard dash. But again, if you want to watch it, this show is probably, it's probably not going to be out by the time it's 40. So you're, if you're, if you've gotten to this point in the show, it's already past Trey Lance's draft time <laughs> or pro day time. Because I don't think this is coming out before, like, what? I would probably post this around 10. So maybe, maybe, you're listening to it right as his forty his pro day starts. We're at almost in an hour. So you're like, if you heard this now, go and watch his 40-yard dash time now. But if you're, you know, if it's past 11 or past 12, you missed it. I'm sorry. Go watch the highlights on YouTube or something. But Trey Lance, again, I think the best fit for him, and I'll keep saying this up until the draft, is the Atlanta Falcons. I think, as Lewis Riddick put it, it's a slam dunk of a pick. Getting him... In Atlanta, learning from Matt Ryan, learn being in Arthur Smith's offense. That is built for Trey Lance. Now, I understand that they went with Justin Fields because, again, he fits that mold as well. He's a Georgia kid, so maybe they want a homecoming thing. The NFL loves themselves some homecomings every once in a while or good stories every once in a while. But if you want the best fit, you probably go after Trey Lance. I think Justin Fields would... He's probably more ready to play right now than Trey Lance is, which is weird to say what that because 
If you think someone's ready to play now, you would think that would boost their draft stock versus someone that's definitely not ready to play. But that's the same thing that we saw in 2018 with Josh Allen going for, for Josh Rosen. Rosen was the best quarterback in regards to ready to play. Josh Allen had the highest ceiling. Who got drafted first? Who's had the better career? Who's still on the team and about to make a shit ton of money? Who's on their fourth team in three years? Not even above the practice squad on two of them, I don't think. So, that's where it helps. But also, I think the thing that's... I would like to preface this. The difference between this situation this year and the situation in 2018, Justin Fields does not seem to be a giant a-hole like Josh Rosen did. I don't think Justin Fields is going to be the guy that goes, there were nine stakes taken before me in the NFL draft like Josh Rosen did. I don't think that's Justin Fields' style. I think Justin Fields is a very mild-mannered guy. He doesn't really talk a lot from what it seems. He talk, he's, But when he does talk, everybody listens, kind of what it seems like from Justin Fields. I don't think he'd go the whole nine mistakes taken before me thing. But you never know. You never really know with the NFL draft. You never know what type of players these are when they get all most like Dwayne Haskins. Oh, the NFL done messed up. And then you get cut after a year and a half. So don't say stupid things. Tua, again, talked about this a thousand times. I thought this would be easier. Or thought this would be harder. Dumbass quote. That Those three quotes are three of the dumbest quotes of all time. Because Josh Rosen lasted one year in Arizona, got traded to Miami, bounced around two other teams after Miami. Dwayne Haskins lost his starting job, started seven games, I think went seven touchdowns, seven picks or something like that. Took a selfie with a fan after a win. Actually, it was not even after a win. I think he missed the snap and had to. he was not on the field when they did victory formation, if I remember right. And then lost his job to a almost dead Alex Smith and then getting cut lasted a year and a half on his team. And then Tua went from, I thought this would be harder, to the Dolphins might need to trade him. or He's not better than Herbert. He's not better than Burrow. I, they could get an upgrade on him easily. So don't, that's the moral of the story. Don't say stupid shit. That's the moral of the story. Don't be an idiot. That should be number one on the quarterback checklist. And that's not really talking about book smarts. Or football smarts that just don't be an idiot and say stupid things. Now, I, I think two is a lot better person than the two other quarterbacks we mentioned. From what I can tell, anyways. I guess I don't really know them. But don't say that. It's not needed. You were playing all right at that time period. Your defense was saving you 90% of the time. Or not saving you because you weren't turning it over, but you weren't playing amazing and your defense was playing out of the freaking world. So there's the little issue I have with that, which we've talked about, again, a few times on the show. But that being said, unlike Josh Rosen and Dwayne Haskins, I think Tua will go in as the season starting quarterback for Miami Dolphins. Right, wrong, or otherwise, you might think differently. I think Tua Tagovailoa will be the starter for Miami Dolphins this year. And again, this is according to all my sources. I think Chris Greer and the Dolphins, the Dolphins did not go from tank to Tua, tank for Tua two years ago to now trade him I don't think that's they could they could do that I mean remember Brian Flores didn't even want Tua but the organization was like tank for Tua tank for Tua tank for Tua Flores wanted Justin Herbert Flores wanted Joe Burrow (laughs) but obviously Cincinnati was not taking anybody else but Joe Burrow which this is random and I, I just thought about this Richard Sherman has been on a lot of podcasts recently 
And I, a couple of weeks ago, he had one. He was like, I was shocked when Justin Herbert didn't go number one overall. B- bullshit. You didn't think you were shocked. What, what were you shocked about? Oh, man, Herbert. I'm so shocked that he went after a dude that just broke every single record in college football for passing. Just won a national championship. Just to, He's from the home state of Ohio. Oh, he won the Heisman Trophy with 98% of the first place votes or something like that. I am shocked. Justin Herbert, who ran three rushing touchdowns against Wisconsin, didn't even make the Heisman Finals, was not drafted first over. I was amazed that didn't happen. That is such a stupid quote. No one in their right mind said Justin Herbert was going to go number one overall. Whether you like Justin Herbert coming out of the draft or not, no one sat there and goes, after what Joe Burrow did this offseason, or this past season, I think... I think we're going to draft Justin Herbert instead. Unless there's some monumental trade, there was no way Joe Burrow was not winding up in Cincinnati. And there was no way he was not going to get drafted number one overall, regardless of who was drafting there. Similar thing to Trevor Lawrence this year. Shocked that Justin Herbert didn't go number one overall after Joe Burrow broke almost every record and had the, 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 not one of the, the greatest season a quarterback has ever had in college football. You were shocked that he didn't. He went number one. I smell... What's that smell? I smell cap. That's what that is. That's really cool to do that. I am... Oh, wow. You know what? I, I didn't put it down anywhere, but my friends know that I said that... Well, maybe not my friends, but I thought in my head that I am shocked that Justin Herbert did not go number one overall. Cap. That's not true. <laughs> that is 100% not true. No one in their right mind said Justin Herbert is going to go number one overall, except for the one time I was trying to play the whole Joe Burrow doesn't want to go to Cincinnati, so we're doing another Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers type situation here where Eli didn't want to play for the Chargers, Giants drafted Phillip Rivers, trade happened, boom, bang, bop. But that was only to play that scenario because of the fact Justin Herbert was coached by the Bengals in the Senior Bowl, or the, uh, yeah, Senior Bowl, one MVP in a losing effort, similar to what Phillip Rivers did in the 2004 Senior Bowl. Coached by the Chargers, lost the game, one MVP. That was the same situation. Was, I, was I was having some fun with that, but I didn't actually go, huh, I think that Justin Herbert will go number one overall instead of Joe Burrow. I did not think that. The only scenario I saw Justin Herbert getting to Cincinnati was in that scenario of Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers thing. There was no way Herbert was getting drafted before Joe Burrow. That wasn't happening. I Well, I guess I shouldn't say it. <laughs> I don't think I did this, but I'm going to check on myself, cover my tracks, I guess, to see if <laughs> Joe Bur- if I had, for some reason, Joe Burrow going not number one overall. Let's just check, because now I'm start. I know I didn't, but I'm starting to doubt myself. I'm starting to doubt myself a little bit. There we go. Joe Burrow number one overall. Joe Burrow number one overall. Joe Burrow number one. Yep, got it. Okay. Covered tracks. I was just... Because you know when you're bashing someone and then it turns out that, oh, I did that? It hurts the ego a little bit. But I knew I didn't, but I start... Doubt crept in. <laughs> doubt really crept in for a little bit. And Burrow, coming off a of torn ACL, is going to come back and ball out because he's an amazing quarterback. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. I have, I've said this a couple times in the show. 
I have never liked a team more for a team I had no connection to whatsoever than that LSU team with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Kalevon Chison, Derek Stingley. I, I loved that team. I have never felt that much love towards a team I had no connection to in my entire life other than that LSU team because of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is one of the coolest, coldest quarterbacks at the college level ever. And he's brought that same mentality to the NFL, but he's not like very annoying with it like Baker Mayfield is at times. I guess not really anymore, but Baker, when he first came to the league, good Lord, that was overbearing at times. We get it. You're confident. Stop being an asshole. <laughs> Joe Burrow's not that. Joe Burrow throws in little zingers every once in a while. It's awesome to hear. But Joe Burrow will be back as a Cincinnati Bengals starting quarterback. So, I think, <laughs> I think we can lock in a few cases for starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So, like, Kyler Murray is going to be back for the for the Cardinals. Matt Ryan will be the starter for the Falcons, even though they'll probably draft a quarterback. Lamar Jackson's a lock. Josh Allen's a lock. Then Joe Burrow, as we said. Baker Mayfield's a lock. Dak Prescott signed a massive contract. He's a lock. Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, Patty Mahomes, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford. I'm going to put two on there. Kirk Cousins is a lock. Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill. Those are all locks. Everybody else, like Washington, San Francisco, New York Jets, the Saints, the Patriots, the other team, what other team? Jaguars. Well, I guess we could throw in Jaguars. Trevor, Trevor let's go in there. Houston, Denver. Like all the Chicago, Carolina, all these teams are having quarterback questions. And I'm here for it. I'm 100% here for it. I'm intrigued to see which teams trade up for a quarterback, though. Because I don't think I should. I went a little crazy talking about Mac Jones in the top 10. I think Mac Jones doesn't fall past 12. I don't think, or not 12, it depends on where the 49ers pick. I'll agree with Mel Kuyper that I think that he doesn't fall past 15. I went a little overboard by saying I would be shocked if he falls out of the top 10, which I kind of would be shocked, but I would like to backtrack on that a little bit because that was me releasing a mock draft, being very excited for a mock draft. So that's me just kind of pushing more attention on it, I guess. But unintentionally, but now I'm starting to go like, ooh, what if he doesn't go top 10? (laughs) I, I would still be kind of surprised, but... I think it's more be to be more level-headed in this. I don't think he'll fall past 15. I think a team will trade up to fit before 15 to get him or they'll just draft him in the top 10. I don't think he goes to like 20 or 28 or wherever late first round. I don't think that's happening. That that was pre-senior bowl right after the season ended type stuff. Right now, as we sit here in March, a month and a half away from the draft, Mac Jones is getting drafted with a top 15 pick. That is a guarantee. If I had to put a range on where these quarterbacks were getting drafted, Trevor Lawrence is drafted first. Zach Wilson be drafted second. Trey Lance will go anywhere from 4 to 12. Uh, Justin Fields will go anywhere from 4 to 12. Mac Jones will go anywhere from 8 to 15. That's the range, I would think. Or seven, I'll raise the 7. 7 to 15. And I'm not saying he's going to the Lions. I think the Lions would trade out of that spot for somebody that would need a quarterback. So 7 to 15 is Mac Jones. So again, 1, Trevor Lawrence. 2, Zach Wilson. Trey Lance, 4 to 12. Justin Fields, 4 to 12. Mac Jones, 7 to 15. That's their range. No one, I would be absolutely shocked if a quarterback went 
below or outside of that realm of where I think they're going to go. Because I am the quote-unquote draft expert. I shouldn't say quote-unquote draft expert. I'm the draft quote-unquote expert. <laughs> I got, I've got draft expert stuff coming in the mail this week. I'm very excited about that new Logan Blackman show merch coming out very soon. I've got stuff coming in the mail, so we'll take some more pictures so you guys can see how they look on my beautiful body. And, yeah, we've got some really cool Logan Blackman stuff, Blackman show stuff coming in the next few weeks. Next few months, maybe. Next few months. Let's let's put a reasonable timetable on this. But we got some exciting stuff. I'm very, very pumped for what's coming out with the Logan Blackman show. It's very fun stuff because we got, even the draft is going to be very fun. I've got some big things planned. For the draft, we'll see if they actually come to fruition, but I've got some things planned for that as well. I think this was a fun, this was one of my most, this is one of the most fun shows I've had in a very long time. <laughs> I enjoyed every single second of this show. So, with that being said, I think we end it, I think we just end it here. I think it was a fun show. I sure, I sure as hell enjoyed this one. I hope you did as well, listening to it, laughed a few times, because I think that was, this was a funny show. Not really, again, I don't really have any intentions going into certain shows. I have, Little things that I want to talk about, but I, I might get to them. I might not. Sometimes I forget <laughs> to talk about them. Like you and I's game, which I was just about to forget about until I caught myself right there. So I am going to talk about it. So the show's not over. Show's not over because I li- I caught myself because I said, <laughs> I there's some things I forget about. And I said about 10 minutes ago that I'm not going to forget the you and I game. So, I'm not going to forget about the UNI game. Well, okay, they're playing Southern Illinois, who again is ranked 10th in the nation. Southern Illinois coming off, or not coming off, but two weeks ago had a massive win against North Dakota State. A ginormous win, 38-14 win over the defending national champions. who were on a 38-39 game win streak, which is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And they're a good team. Southern Illinois is a very good team, and they're always really competitive, or usually really competitive with you and I. They usually have some very, they have some good players on their team. They had Jeremy Chin last year, obviously second-round pick. Uh, Dark Horse for Rookie of the Year this year as well. Very good stuff coming out of Jeremy Chin. And then, yeah, they're just a fun, they're a good team. They're a good, they're a solid team. They haven't, other than North Dakota State, surprisingly, they haven't blown out anybody else. They beat Southeastern Missouri 20-17. They beat Youngstown State 30-22 and then obviously obliterated North Dakota State. But then themselves got obliterated by North Dakota, who is right now, I think it's, I think you have to say this, and we talked about this win Monday, that North Dakota is the best team in the Missouri Valley Conference right now. I think UNI's defense can keep them in games, but their offense, good Lord. You saw what Southern Illinois did to North Dakota State with 38 points. I hope you and I's defense can hold them back because their offense is suspect to say the least. We've talked about that a lot this season with their foot with their offense. And I love their players they have on offense. Love Will, love Dion McShane, love Quan Hampton, but something's off. Isaiah Weston's been in and out of the lineup with some issues that we're not really we're not really sure what's happening with Isaiah Weston. He had some injuries last year, but he's had he's missed some big times this year. He's a thousand yard receiver last year. But their defense is still elite. Omar Brown should be probably a second-round pick next year. If we're being honest, he doesn't get thrown to. He's the best cornerback in the FCS, and he was last year. And then this year he's cemented it because no one's even thrown to him. So the amount of respect you get 
for a corner like Omar Brown, who could be that Jeremy Chin-style player that gets drafted in the second round from the FCS on the defensive side of things. But you don't really see all too much. Unless you're a quarterback, you don't really see a lot of FCS players get drafted extremely high. Like, obviously, Carson Wentz, Trey Lance will get drafted pretty high, Steve McNair, Joe Flacco. But you don't really see other big positions in that situation. Now, obviously, Walter Payton was a high draft pick. Came from Jackson State, so you have certain situations, but most of the time, unless you're a quarterback, you're not going to get drafted very high from the FCS because there's still that stigma that the FCS is not good football, which right now, it's not very good at this point in time. But I'm excited to watch UNI's game. That game is at 12 o'clock Central Time at Southern Illinois. It's on ESPN Plus if you want to watch it. UNI's games and all Missouri Valley Conference games are going to be on ESPN Plus or ESPN3. They're on the same app. Just watch them on that. So, yeah, I think you and I will win. I think their defense will hold South Illinois back. Illinois State's a very good team. Or not very good. They're a good team. And their defense completely stifled Illinois State's offense, which, to be fair to Illinois State, they were awful the week before and played decent because they just ran the ball, which is their strength and has been for the past few seasons. You saw James Robinson at Illinois State. He's a 1,000-yard rusher in the NFL. So I think you and I will be able to – Try, well, they'll try, and I think they'll succeed in stopping Southern Illinois' offense. The goal here is just score more points because the defense will hold them. The offense just needs to get in enough rhythm. Like they did the first two drives of the game against Illinois State and score points. That's the goal here. They didn't. Score, they were so off on so many different things. I don't know if it's the offensive coordinator situation. I don't know if it's Isaiah Weston's absence being a big deal in there. I don't know if it's the lack of running game. I don't know if it's lack of run blocking. The pass blocking's been up in the air most of the time this season. Will's taken a lot of hits. So, I don't know what it is. Something's off. That's all I know. So, go and watch you and I football this Saturday again. 12 o'clock ESPN Plus against Southern Illinois in Carbondale. So, it'll be a fun game. And then if you want to watch, I say this hopefully, if you want to watch you and I's offense hopefully come back to life, after Southern Illinois, watch those two games because they play Missouri State and Western Illinois. <laughs> That's those two games. They should have zero problems moving their offense. Zero. If they have problems against those two teams, they'll have problems against anybody because those two teams are always, I shouldn't say always, in recent history, they're the worst teams in the Missouri Valley. It's not even close. Western Illinois is worse than Missouri State, but they're both bad. And you and I's offense should be back to normal those two games. And then they play South Dakota, and then the much-anticipated North Dakota State game on April 10th, which is going to be a very fun game. That is going to be an awesome game in the Unidome. That's a game I wish there was more fans at, because that that's a big-time game. If this was in the fall, and you had all the players that were at UNI North Dakota State that left, the, the previous players that I mentioned, plus Trey Lance on North Dakota State's offense, that would have been such a fun game to watch. I mean, it still is going to be a fun game to watch, but not as fun as having, you know, a top 10 draft pick playing in the Unidome. That's more fun to watch than watching Zeb Nolan try to run because that's not very enjoyable to watch. I'm sorry, Zeb. And I'm sorry, Cyclone fans that like Zeb Nolan, but that's just, he can't move. He's the antithesis of Trey Lance, and it's kind of hard to watch at times. They are, North Dakota State is boring to watch. Good Lord, I've almost fallen asleep the three games I've watched this year. Or the two games. I guess I didn't watch last week because I was at the UNI game. But boring. Goodness gracious. They're terrible to watch. But 
yeah, you and I versus Southern Illinois this weekend. I'm going to say you and I wins. I will say 24 to 13. 24-13, you and I wins against Southern Illinois to improve to 3-1 and one on the season and then take their 3-1 and one record back home against Missouri State. So I hope you enjoyed the show today. Go watch some FCS football this week. Enjoy your weekend, and I will see you on Monday. Peace.